Welcome back. This episode is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She's a real estate agent for Better Homes Garden Real Estate in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding area. If you ever dreamt about buying a home and owning your own property or maybe opening your own business and you don't know where to find that commercial property, give Laura Lee a call. She really can't find it for you quick and have you in operating in that business or eating dinner at a dinner table in a, a home that you own. We just signed on our home and we could not be happier with the entire process. So please call Laura Lee if you've ever thought about these things. It's 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. This episode is with, it's 41 and it's with Damon Oliver. He's a cop of 22 years, a Marine. He's traveled all over the world and now he's in the financial business trying to help people out on a different level. He's not your typical financial industry person, but you can tell he's passionate about it. You can tell he cares and you can believe him when he sets you on a right direction investing your money. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and this conversation as much as I did. Um, Please go check out Demond's New York Life. He gives his number at the end, but I'll just give it now or I'll give you his email address. It's ddoliver at ft.newyorklife.com. You'll get it all at the end of the podcast. He gives his phone number out and everything, but go check him out. Give him your business if you're planning on investing and enjoy the conversation with Demond Oliver. And we're rocking and rolling. All right. It's recording. Thanks for doing this, Demond. Thank you, sir. This Thank is you for awesome, having man. Me. So, a cop of 25, 25 years? 22 years. 22 years. Yeah. All the same, Bryan PD? All the same at the Bryan Police Department, yeah. I, the only other experience I had was uh, four years. I said four years, four months. It felt like four years, but it was four months as a corrections uh, officer for the oh, Smith like County a, Sheriff's Department. Oh, the Sheriff's Department. So, like, not a prison or anything? No, it was a county jail. Yeah. Okay, county jail. County jail. So I worked there for four months and found out real quick that that wasn't the life for me. <laughs> that you didn't like the prison part? Uh, it was, um, so I worked, worked the night shift, worked 12-hour shifts, and I'd go in at 6 o'clock at night, come in, get off at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was feeling like an inmate because it was just you, an in, inside jail, and you just, you, you never saw... Unless you took people up to wreck, you didn't see the moonlight. You didn't see the stars. And so it was just... Oh, so you're just stuck inside all stuck day Stuck inside long. all night, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I start beginning to feel like an inmate. So it's like, no, this is not for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my grandpa did a bunch of missionary work and stuff in the prisons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember like our his house was like wired up with this crazy security system that he homemade. <laughs> he took the little floodlights from outdoors and he put one on one side of the house and one on the other side of the house by the doors. And then he had country music playing on one over by the living room and he had gospel music playing on one in the kitchen. So he knew which who came in what door by the music that played when that motion sensor went off. And he would like, if my uncle was trying to sneak in at night from staying out too late, he would get caught, you know, with that music. He'd be trying to creep under the stars, say hallelujah. And then like, here comes my grandpa with a gun, you know, around the corner. Hey, Williams, he's coming through the left door, you know. Yeah. So I mean, it just it warped his mind dealing with uh, dealing with inmates and seeing yeah. the type of people that are in there. So I don't know if that affects that affected you at all. I mean, I guess you're dealing with them as a police officer as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Beforehand. So 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 you know, from that side of it, it was it was county jail inmates that were waiting to go to trial. 
um, the, the effect it had on me was I, I was, I'm from Tyler and I grew up in Tyler and I saw way too many of my kin folks coming through there, cousins and friends that you went to high school with. And it was just like, I didn't, I didn't like that, you know, because again, that's family, that's friends. And, and, uh, uh, so it was just kind of weird from that side of it. So becoming a police officer, <clears throat> you had a, to me, I had a little bit more control and I, I, again, I didn't feel like I was locked up. And so I was dealing you know, got to deal with all kinds of people then, as opposed to in the jail, just dealing with criminals, you know, but as a police officer, I'm dealing with the good and with the bad. And most of the time it was mostly good. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, that's crazy. I, you, you wouldn't think that. Well, in the Marines, you, we have to always say, you have to say, you've always got that 10%. You've always got that 10%. That's going to cause problems. That's going to bring attention to themselves. They're going to be the slackers. But it, we think because they do so much stupid stuff and you read about it every day, it's like, man, this town is just, 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 you know, running, you know, rampant with nuts. And it's like, no, it's just, it's a few families, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially like in this town, I think. I mean, compared to some of the places I've been and lived, you know, it's, it's like they, they say, oh, he's in the hood. He's in Brian. Like, no, nah, man, that ain't the hood. <laughs> I mean, it's got some bad parts, just like any place. Exactly. But I mean, it's not the hood, exactly. man. This place exactly. is pretty safe when it comes exactly. to that. Um, but um, so, did seeing like a lot of your family members, I guess cousins and whatnot, going? You know, I guess you said they went through the correctional facility at some point in time, and you saw them go. Did that influence you to become a cop in some sort of way? No, not really. Um, it's a, it's an interesting story. <clears throat> so I really don't know how I got there, but I always say it's, you know, it's a God thing, right? So grew up with four brothers and three sisters in the house. Four of them that were older, four of them that were younger. Seven kids. Eight kids. Eight kids. Four brothers, three sisters. Oh, yeah, and then you. And My math skills. <laughs> Your math skills are like mine, so... <laughs> So we've we've got we've got we go from I'm, I'm I'll be 47 at the end of this month so so we'll be 45 through 51 and then there's a seven year gap 58 to 65 and so those older group were kind of like my brothers and well like my other parents basically and then the younger group they were my we played together but the older ones you know they kind of took care of us and watched over us and took us to the movies and that kind of stuff so. One of my older brothers, you know, I remember he smoked weed. That was his thing. He had gone to he had gone to the army and decided he didn't want to be in the army anymore, so he just got out, you know, just like, how do you do that? But I didn't, I, for whatever reason, I didn't, that wasn't my thing. I remember being on the bus one time and, and this old boy pulls out a bag of weed. And it was the first time I, you know, saw weed. And so it was just, it was just wild, you know, just, that wasn't the household I grew up in. And then after that, um, there was guys that I knew in school that were doing drugs and selling drugs. And But it was just, it wasn't for me. I was in FFA, right? So <laughs> we lived in the country. And, and yeah. so so I didn't run the neighborhoods, you know. My friends were, were, were my two older brothers and my nephew. My nephew's like nine months younger than me. So that that was my crew, you know. So so we didn't do anything like that. And so fast forward, I go to the Marines, and I remember I remember being in, in boot camp, and uh, one of my drill instructors, he was on me like stank on a monkey, and he was trying to he was 
he was saying that that I, you know, come from I'm a druggie and that's that's why I'm acting like I'm acting and, and you know this that and the other and and he's talking about how he's gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna test my hair and make sure I have you know they're gonna find out what kind of drugs I've done and I've never done any drugs in my life and and so he he could not believe that that I had never done any kind of drugs and he rode me and rode me. I broke down in tears that day in boot camp and, and I said that was that was that that was that that change after that after he breaks me down it was you know nothing can stop me after that go to through the marine corps through marine security guard duty and and uh i'm in africa at the time i was in the congo and uh oh wow i just did a podcast with kp (laughs) who went to the congo twice really yes i spent about 15 16 months in the congo really yeah brazzaville west africa what were you doing there so so the marine security guards were stationed at all the embassies and consulates throughout the world and at the time there was about 141 and so so when i went to marine security guard duty it was a a gunnery sergeant of mine, I had never heard anything about that. And he says, hey, you think about Marine Security Guard duty? You had to be single, you know, unless you were a, a, an NCO, you know, staff sergeant or above, you could be married. But as, as, a, as a troop, you could go and, and you had to be single, though. And I was single. And I was like, yeah, why not, you know? So I did it and, and went through the school. Fort Lee, uh, Quantico, Virginia was a school. And my first assignment was in, the, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so from Sao Paulo, which was, you know, Sao Paulo was everything first rate. And I said, I wanted to do something a little different, my next duty station. And so I, I signed up for, for the uh, American Embassy, Brazzaville, Congo. And uh, so that's where I, I spent Did about, you like it there? Man, I loved it. I loved it. And let me tell you why. And I'll get back to, I'll get back to my, oh, yeah, how, yeah. I got to be, how I got to be here. So Sao Paulo, Brazil... I mean, it's one of the largest cities in the world. Beautiful. I mean, everything you want. First-rate malls and cars and movie theaters. I mean, it had everything you could ever want. The first day that I got to the Congo, we leave the airport, and we're going to the Marine House. And we're driving through town, and you see buildings with holes in the side of them from tank rounds or mortar rounds or... They had just come through, a, just come out of a civil war, so you saw this, and it was real. <laughs> one of the one of the embassy workers there, they got a AK forty seven round through their roof one time. They're sitting there watching TV, and boop, there goes an AK forty seven because they were just like just from, just from the sky. Yeah, it came yeah, through yeah, the like roof. Somebody had been shooting, and it just it came through the roof, through the roof, and like yeah. in their living yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Now, now you're thinking, okay, that probably wouldn't happen here because you know this is a nice. Stick built house. No, I okay. mean, I've always but, thought like you shoot a gun up, it's got to go somewhere. The bullet has yeah. got to come down somewhere. Oh, yeah. There's gravity, right? It <laughs> doesn't go into outer space. It doesn't disappear. <laughs> like it falls somewhere with some speed, right? And so, and so yeah, and so that's what that's what I went into. But the people there were so amazing. The all of the embassies. I remember the German embassy, the Italians, and the French. Uh, Ger- I said Germans already, uh, but it was just it was so small. And the two places that you hung out was at the Marine House on Friday nights because we had movie nights, <laughs> and at the at the American Club on Sundays, and, and that was it. And so funny, we we had movie nights, and they sent us these movies, and they'd come in. They were on beta tapes at the time. <laughs> oh, nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's where I learned to love the Chicago Chicago Cubs. But that's a different story. Oh, <laughs> nice. But nice. anyway, so uh, so just the, just the way the people treated you. 
the Congolese people, they were so nice and kind. And I remember one day I said, you know, I'm black, right? African-American, right? I look just like the rest of these other Africans, right? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking through one night. I'm wa- I said one night. It was one day. I'm walking through the market, okay? And it was a, it was a big outdoor market, okay? So so just to, just imagine if you were in Wolf Pen Creek Theater, you know, on World Day or something like that, which is all of this stuff. Going yeah, with a bunch of vendors right, set right, up. Right, right. Like you can go by and buy like watermelons at this exactly. one, clothing Fish at this or one, yeah. or whatever you know. It was just a yeah. just a big market, you know. Gotcha. And so I'm walking through there, and this guy goes, "Hey, American." And it was like he was on one side of the market, I'm on the other, and I'm just like, "Hey!" And he and he comes over and he starts talking to me, and I was like, "Man, you you said American like I got it stamped on my forehead or something." And he's like, "Uh, yeah." He says, "I can I can tell you're American because it's funny. Uh, black Americans here and want to dress like Africans. <laughs> Africans want to dress like <laughs> the American kids here." <laughs> Well, these guys are, you know, they're wearing blue jeans just like me and t-shirts. And uh, but anyway, so it was just so funny though. He says he they can, you know, he he was able to spot me right off the bat. Facial features, the way I walked. He said, he said y'all must have a lot of space in America because y'all walk so free. And I was like, what does that mean? But he just he's but he could tell he could tell. So so the Congo was just amazing just for that fact, just the way the people treated you and, and all like I said all of the all of the embassies you know that they they shared and hung out together and uh, we had a uh, we had a Swiss Air would fly in and and, and uh, the students would come hang out at the house and we party at the rate house and so it was just it was just a lot of fun you know it was just a, just a lot of fun and it was only only six Marines there. So, oh wow! Mm-hmm. Six Marines to six Marines. Wow! <laughs> to hold the embassy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, all we so, need is six Marines. Yeah, that's that's, fine. A, that's right? it. You know, one riot, one ranger. Right? That's what they say here in yeah, Texas. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many armed guys would it take? It only takes six Marines. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> so, man, it, and that was that was cool in itself because because we were just just a tight knit family and uh, yeah. and so the whole thing and so yeah, the Congo was. Awesome. When I left, man, I was just like, I, I don't want, I don't ever want to leave this place. But, but so, so while I was in the Congo, I'm sitting there and I'm like, so I had uh, the colonel had come down and and, I, and our company was stationed Delta Company we were stationed out of Florida, and so he had come down, and my staff sergeant, it was time for me to reenlist or get out, one of the two, because I had to extend my contract just to do Marine Security Guard duty, because you sign up for a four year enlistment. And then I needed that extra 15 months to complete the Marine security guard duty. So I was torn, you know, am I getting out or am I staying in? So my, 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 my staff sergeant, he's trying to get me to reenlist. Colonel comes down. He's talking about getting me to reenlist. And one of the, it was the, and I, I can't, I can see his face. I can't remember his name right now, but he was the regional security officer for the embassy there. And he works for the state department. And those state, state department guys, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good, you know, uh, uh, financially. And so he told me one time, he says, look, he says, these same individuals that want you to stay in the Marine Corps because they see something in you. OK, you're talented, you're sharp. They want you to stay in. He says, but there's folks out there on the outside <laughs> that want you as well, that would pay you for your talents. <laughs> and you don't have to do the sea bag drag every, you know, 
three months, six months, year and a half, whatever it was, you know. And so when he told me that, I mean, I I, I thought about it and uh, I thought about it and, and that night. So I go down to the Congo River and the rivers, you know, I get on my bike ride down to the river and it's just, you know, it's, it's rushing. It's, it's fast. And I'm just sitting there looking at the water and um, and it just comes to me. It's like, OK, I'm getting out. I'm going to get out of the Marine Corps. I'm going back to Tyler. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school. I'm going to be a police officer. And then one of these days, I might be a regional security just officer. Just by sitting at the river, you're yeah, like, just, I'm going to go be a police officer. Yeah, yeah. It was, just, it was just like that. I, I had never, I wasn't a kid that grew up saying, hey, I'm going to be a police officer when I grow up or a fireman when I grow up or whatever, you know, an accountant or what. I never, I never thought that. The only thing I knew that I was going to do growing up was I was going to the military. Oh, so was, you knew that part. That you was were the like, thing, I'm going to be. That was the only thing I knew. And the only reason I ended up in the Marines is because, so between my, I guess it was between my, sophomore and junior year in high school the army recruiter called me he was the same recruiter that had tried to recruit my brother but I wasn't old enough yet so he says I'll call you back next year right and the marine recruiter <laughs> was a little quicker catching me right after oh, my so 17th it was birthday first come first serve exactly. then. and so the marine corps recruiter caught me right after my 17th birthday and I could sign then and so the Marine Corps recruiter got to me, and so by the time the Army recruiter called back, it was like, uh, oh, too late. I'm done. I'm I'm Marine already. <laughs> I'm a Marine already. And so, so I mean that that was just how, just that little thing, changed Army to Marines. Huh. And so and so I'm in the Marines, and like I said, I had never you know, and that was all I knew. I said I was going to the military. And again, I didn't have a branch, but so that was how I ended up in the Marines. And then I just said that I'm gonna see how long this this lasts, see how far it takes me. And then, and again, like I said, I never wanted to be a police officer, but I said, you know what? I've got a good temperament that I could be a benefit to a police officer. I was in pretty good shape then, so, you know, I could. could Still in pretty good shape now, just so you know. Could conquer the world, right? You know? And so it was like, I think a police department could use me. And and at that time, and you still hear it, you know, the, the, the police departments don't necessarily look like the community. So I was like, I'm black. I can go work in my community, right? And so, actually, I think uh, so, you have an advantage being black being a police officer, don't you? Especially like nowadays. Wouldn't you think that or no? Am I wrong with that assessment with what the news puts out there? It, it was, um, it was when I first started, no. Yeah. Now, on, on the tail end, maybe so. Because I was the proverbial Uncle Tom, right? <laughs> I'm working for the man, right? Yeah. I just, you know... But I mean, I've heard... Yeah. In, so, this is why I asked. Because okay. I've heard in Houston that they really prefer to hire either Hispanics or African Americans or whatever because and non-white people because they do, they're trying to avoid the getting sued and, you know, the race issue with arresting somebody that's, you know, of a different race that way. I think at the end of the day... And we're the same way. City of Brian, I said we. I'm still we, you know, when, yeah, when yeah. I'm talking about the City of Brian, even though I'm retired. <clears throat> when I started, and even to this day, there is a push, there is a concerted effort to hire more minorities, okay, to make that police department look like that community. But on the flip side of that is that I had to go through and still today just because you're black or just because you're Hispanic 
It's not going to give you a leg up. You get, I mean, you get all the same. You have to go through all the same. You still got to go through the same. Everything else, like but that. but there is a concerted effort to try to recruit more minorities into the department because there's a lot of good guys that right there in the city of Brown that grew up in the city of Brown that would probably be great police officers. Oh sure, but that wasn't their thing. They did not want to work for. When I started at Brian PD, it was $9 an hour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to be a police officer? To be a police officer. <laughs> to put your life on the line, basically. Like, you don't know. You don't know. You're chasing bad guys. Exactly. You know? But it it's, was just, it's either in you or it's $9 not. $9 you know? an hour. Nine and some change. Nine and some change. Yep. Yep. I'm blown away right now. <laughs> like, I knew it was low. I knew it was low. Like, I knew police officers don't get paid enough. Mm-hmm. That it's an impossible job. Right. It really is yeah. an impossible job. Yeah. Like, you're not thanked. People see the lights yeah. come on, yeah. and they they're like, "Screw this cop! He's going to give me a ticket." You know, he did. <laughs> don't realize like just a second ago, I was arresting a guy and protecting you exactly. from somebody trying to exactly. rob your vehicle exactly. or somebody's vehicle exactly. like you. Exactly. You know, um, but that that's that's the kind of things you deal with, and then even the the you're dealing with people who are doing bad. Mm-hmm. So they're not being honest with you. Exactly. And they don't like you. <laughs> exactly. They don't exactly. want to get caught. Exactly. You know? And so yeah. you're not dealing with yeah. happiness all day oh, no. long from oh, people. No. Oh, no. You're not dealing with oh, the, no. oh, hi, how are you? It's good <laughs> to see you, Damon. Yeah, how's your day going? Yeah, I'll take that ticket. Sure, you know? You're not dealing with that. And you get paid $9 an hour that's what, to that's go That's what we started like, with. That's what we started. And so when I'd go well, to, you know, the, the black part of town, in quotation, you know, I would get the, you know, all that damn Uncle Tom, you know. And it was just like, man, I'm out here just trying to do my best, trying to help my community. So I got that as well. And so, so again, you have the folks that just didn't like you because you're in a uniform. And then I go to the black community and, I, and it felt like I got it even worse. And it was just like, this ain't right, you know. It just So, so, so yeah, it's, uh, so again, it's a concerted effort to get more, you know, blacks and minorities into the police department. But at the end of the day, what we need as police officers is folks that are just just out there doing their job, fair, impartial, just upholding the law, doing the best they can. Well, that's where you can get in trouble, I think. It's like, uh, you know, obviously people don't do it for the money, but some people have a different idea, I guess. I don't know how they, they, they've got to like, it's like you said, it's a small minority. Yeah. But there's some people like, my mom's a nurse. Mm-hmm. She was born to do something. Right. She's a caregiver. Yeah. And she's the best at it. Yeah. She legitimately cares about people and helps them and takes care of them. And she, even though she's not practicing, she still just drives around that's, and does it. She saves every she dog does. that she sees. <laughs> the dog could be like dead and she'll still pull it up and try to resuscitate it and, you know, whatever. I mean, she's, she, that's just her. That's her and nature. she's kind hearted yeah. and she wants to help yeah. people genuinely. Yeah. But then you have people that get in. I've seen some of the people that she's worked with that are nurses that do it just for the money. Mm-hmm. And they're the worst nurses exactly. giving the worst care to people doing a who job. are hurting. So like, yeah. but if you're doing that as a police officer, right. now you're getting yourself into some trouble. You know, you're it, getting, uh, that's where the, they need the best person for the job. Yeah. And I think that weeds, now, now the pay has gone up considerably. I think these guys today are starting at probably, and the city of Bryan puts you through the academy, right? So they start paying you while you're in the academy. And I think they start today in the academy at, at least 53,000, right? And so, That's so by, much better. So by the time they hit, you know, by the time their first year in, they're sixty plus. You know, so oh, not bad, not, know, bad not bad at all, especially for this area. Exactly, it's really not. But but it does weed out those folks that are just doing it for a job. I've seen a few of those come through, and they're just trying to. It's a it's a steady paycheck, right? But you see them, and they don't last long because they can't 
it's not their nature. mentally. It's not they're not there mentally. You know, it's not, they're not there mentally. And you like, don't want to have a well. breakdown with a yeah. gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's it's, a bad thing. It's a bad thing to have a. You know, we've all been frustrated. Like playing ice hockey is a great example because somebody's hitting you on your hand. They're pushing you. They're nudging you. They're smacking you. They're talking crap. Like it's constant. Like boom, 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 boom. Constant. It's like poking a bruise over and over and over again. Eventually. People, some people get frustrated. You know, they're like, "Stop poking my freaking bruise," and, and they lash out. Now, if that's a police officer, oops, oops, you know, <laughs> got mace, batons, guns, you yeah, know, handcuffs. Yeah, that's not yeah, a good you know, all it takes is one person to say the wrong thing to them, and then yeah. they're pissed off. Exactly, you know, you exactly. know in a certain area. So uh, that's that's where I mean, that's I see that as the main issue with all these, you know, the police things that have. Yeah happened in the media and everything else also the other side is we watched this documentary flint i don't know if you saw it flint. it's on yeah it's no, called uh, flint it's about flint michigan uh, and they about go, the water thing or just, just uh, flint well no just, it's not water it's okay. they follow the cops around. oh okay but they legitimately yeah. follow these cops around they go into their meetings they it's not cops the show it's not edited that way they go through every day life with these cops and it really opened my eyes because one of them had been in an incident where, you know, somebody looked like they had a gun and pulled it and he pulled his weapon and used it. And then, you know, you could see his feelings behind it. You saw what the media put out there about it. But then you get to see the actual thing that happened right. in the documentary. And you're like, oh, oh <laughs> this guy's in a bad situation. Now, what are you going to do? Yeah, like, exactly. what are you going to do in this situation? And he's feeling, you know, he, you can tell he, this is years after it's happened and he feels terrible. So, I mean, I see that side and I'm wondering from your, like your perspective mm-hmm. as a cop, you know, people, when they pulled people over in Flint, Michigan, and they did all these things, like the people are constantly, like they're, they're constantly doing this. And that don't put your hands in your pocket. Don't put your hands here. And they're like, for people in the podcast, I'm putting my hands in my pockets and stuff, you know, <laughs> acting like I'm just feeling for my keys or whatever. But you don't know that person. Exactly. And you've got a hunch that something's going on and you're checking it out. Yeah. yeah. So that situation is really tough to deal with. Yeah. It, it, it's, again, we're in a, we're, we're in a no-win situation. Let me... Let me tell you this before I forget. Go ahead. Being in a no-win situation. And then I'll come back to that, right? And uh, so uh, my best friend, Brett, he and I started policing together. We went to the academy together and and uh, just my best friend. So he sees this lady one day and she left a convenience store and she had her purse on top of the car. So she had gotten gas or whatever and she had the purse on top of the car. And she, she's driving down the road with this purse on top of her car. So he's like, well, let me go stop this lady and give her her purse before it falls off and all her stuff, you know, is all over the place. So he says he throws on the lights and she reluctantly pulls over and he walks up and she is reading him the riot act. You know, why are you pulling me over? You know, you racist or you profiling and this and that. And she's just, just going on and on about, you know, he should not be pulling over her, pulling her over because it doesn't, you know, can he see she's some nice lady, you know, she's not a criminal or anything like that. And so he says, he just walks up, he gets the purse off the top of the car, hands it to her, doesn't say a word. And just turns around and walks off. And he said, you could just see the look on her face like, oh, <laughs> this police officer is trying to help me. But I immediately went to, he's harassing me. And so, so, so along with what you were just talking about, that's how we are just trying to do our best, right? So we're trying to keep the roads safe. 
right? So if you're weaving down the road, you could be drunk, and I don't want you to head on my family, so I'm going to stop you, okay? You got a busted taillight, okay? Somebody may not see you trying to put your turn signal on, and you're turning, you get rear-ended, right? So we're just trying to keep everybody safe. But again, for whatever reason, people think that we are clairvoyant, right? We can, <laughs> we know, you know, when, when, when I run your license plate, I know that's Aaron there. And um, Aaron's a good guy. He's he. I don't have to worry about Aaron, so I can just you know diddy bop on up there and do my traffic stop. Wave out the window. Yeah. Move along. <laughs> exactly. Move along. Hey, Aaron, I'll catch you later. You know, <laughs> but we don't know. We have no clue, right? Yeah. And so when when we're just just asking them, okay, just act like somebody with some sense. You know, as my mom would say, act like you got some home training. Okay, so just be some cool. Home training. Home training. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I want to steal that. <laughs> Act like, like he got some, some home training. training. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, so you know, we asked just, hey, put your hands on the steering wheel. Okay. When you're going to reach for the driver's license? Okay. Yeah. Just go. I'm going to get it out of my pocket. Yeah. Go ahead. You know. But when folks are just doing stuff, you know, fidgeting and reaching and stuff, and it's like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Because this is what I don't know is this. Did you just beat up your girlfriend? You just left her house? Did you just rob the convenience store? We hadn't got the call yet. We have no idea. Or you got you got got warrants that 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 that's going to send you back to, to the pen. Read one today. Matter of fact, the guy he was going to he was going to get arrested because he was a he was a pedophile, right? He committed suicide in the car. He had a gun on him. Thankfully, he was just wanted to end his own life and not in the life of those officers. Yeah. So, but if you pull that guy over before that, he's already in that desperate situation. Somebody else can get exactly. Injured. So 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 you don't know. You don't know. So 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 it's it's so hard when we're in those situations because we don't know and like like the the, the officer you were talking about there in in in, uh, yeah. in, in Flint, um, he was trying to make the best decision he could with the information that he had at hand. It and, like in exactly, seconds though. Exactly. Now now you and I we have the luxury right. We slept in our beds all weekend. It's Monday morning. Well, we can look at the news and say. Well, that guy was wrong because why? We have we have hindsight now, right? I can you rewind know? that yeah. video and watch it in slow motion. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I I would have did this or I would have done that or it's like no, but you how, wouldn't. How have. many times have you pulled somebody over first? Like, oh, there's a license plate light out or something, and then it actually be like, oh wow, I just came across somebody that's done some wrong. More time than not. Yeah, more so time than not. You're conditioned to be on guard. At all times. So if somebody's fidgeting and acting nervous and getting aggressive with you, that's causing your alarms to go off. Like, this is what bad people do. Exactly. Hold on a second. Exactly. I need to figure it. But this is also what good people do sometimes. So now I've got to decipher who you are. I'm The whole time I'm reading this, okay? And I'm trying to figure out, again, what's your angle? You know, are you friend or foe? Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing that like you were saying, though. We're conditioned to be at a nine or a 10, right? Because if I make the mistake and approach you at a one and you are that bad guy, that one mistake can cost me my life. Yeah. So I have got to, I've always got to start at 10 and work my way down. God, you got to be tight all the exactly. time. Like exactly. your muscles, I'm tight right now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm tight seeing you talk about it because I can feel the energy yeah. from it. I'm like, Man, so, I can't believe like I'm going at a ten all day long. Like my muscles are constantly in my brain, in, the, in my mind, and 
And so, yeah, wow. you're always on. And so, so that's where we got to start at, you know? And, and so that's the, that's the difficult part about the job is that, again, we just don't know. And we got to do, we got to go through our protocols, go through our training. And then once we find out who you are, then I can take it down to an eighth in, okay? But I'm still, still not 100% positive, you know? Until you, like, <laughs> exactly. no, write that ticket and they're on their and way. And they're on their way and you, I'm back in my car. You're like, okay, good. Because, you, you know, earlier you said, uh, you know, the, the guy, the officer shot that person and, and he was catching all kinds of grief for it. Yeah. I, I've never, I may have, may have seen one officer that wanted to shoot somebody. And I always worried they, about they them. Actually, like really just want to shoot somebody. I, I felt that way, just the way they acted, the yeah. way they talked, the, the some yeah. of the stuff they did. It was like, I, I think he really wants to shoot somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. to be real about well, it. Well, they're humans. Everybody's they're human. human, you know. But 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 the but the majority of officers never, never seek out their shift that day. I'm gonna go shoot somebody because you got to be on the other side of that deal to understand. Okay. So I have been in the unfortunate position to have to draw my weapon in the line of duty and shoot that weapon. Wow. Okay. Well, what you don't understand, though, is a grand jury, the DA's office, investigators are digging up your butt trying to make sure you did everything right. Because if you did one something wrong, the city's going to cut you loose. Okay. So if you... I'm violated like if, right you, if you violated training you vi- they're they're looking for that reason that he did something he wasn't supposed to be doing <laughs> we can cut him loose we're done so think about that you know going through a a criminal trial because what you did as a police officer if you take somebody else's life that's called homicide okay yeah now there are some defenses to that that i was a police officer acting under the color of law doing my job and you were breaking the law right but I'm a criminal. Okay. I'm a police officer, but I'm still, I'm a criminal. I'm going through the criminal justice system and they're trying to make sure that I did everything that I was supposed to do as far as my training goes. Okay. Was I, was I, where I was supposed to be at the time that I was there? You know, was I trespassing on somebody else's property? So they're looking for all these things. So just imagine that's not something that you want to do. You don't want to talk to the Texas Rangers. You don't want to have to talk to your your investigators. You know? Well, it's it, it feels like you're guilty until proven innocent. Reversed exactly. with a police officer exactly. versus the person who's actually doing a crime who's exactly. innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. Like exactly. That, I understand. Like I do get the part of the rules that they have, and then going through every one of those rules, and those things are put there to save you. Mm-hmm. So those things, like you might think that they're annoying to do, but they're actually there to save exactly. your butt. Exactly. But. It's because you're guilty until proven innocent <laughs> exactly. is why those rules have exactly. to be put in place for you yeah. to do it. And that's kind of a backwards thing, right? It is. It is. So if you were ever on the flip side of that, you would know, you would know that an officer is not setting out to shoot somebody, to end somebody's life. Yeah. First of all, it's not natural. You know, it's not natural for, for people, one human being to end in, in the life of another human being. But until you've been on that flip side of that, you don't give people the benefit of the doubt. You're like, oh, they're crooked. You know, that's what they wanted to do. This, that, and the other. It's a cover-up. And it's like, no, man, it's it's stressful. Your your life is at risk. Your family is at risk. I mean. So does that hit you? So you having to draw your weapon and actually have to fire the mm-hmm. weapon. Does that hit you after that moment's over? How, how long after that moment do you go, 
oh man, I've got all this stuff to like, I've got to go through these reports and I hope I did everything right. Like, do you start to get nervous? You don't start to get nervous per se because you've been, you're trained. Okay? Yeah. Uh, you know that you were doing everything that you were supposed to be doing. But it wasn't until, it wasn't until sometime later when you're sitting in that internal affairs office, the uh, sergeant or lieutenant over the Bryan Detective Division and the Texas Ranger that's assigned to this area asking you all kinds of questions. And it's kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just, man, I went I'm the to, good guy. I, I went to work, you know, and I did my job. And that's another thing. That's how people look at that instance. I mean, a guy can work 35 years, right? And a shooting was probably 30 seconds or a minute of that career. And they get painted by that. You've done all kinds of other stuff in your career, done it exemplary, but that defines you. And so, and so that's kind of one of those things too that's kind of weird because you got into a fight and you won. Right, <laughs> but did you? You won, and so and so so then people are kind of other officers and people are patting you on the back. But it's like, yes, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. But somebody's, you know, somebody's dead. Somebody lost their life. Okay. Yeah, it's still a bad. It's still a bad. And so it's so it's so it's just a it's the whole thing is is just so weird. But now flip that around and let the cop lose his life. Mm-hmm. Now you've got everybody on the other side. Like, you can't shoot cops. And they're, you know, this guy's a cop killer now. And he's like, really, everybody's out to get this person that did that. If it's you that stops him from doing it, they're like, why did you do that? Uh, Again, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a no way. That just hit me right now. Like, I'm listening to you tell this story. I'm going, whoa. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a no win situation because again, it stops right then and there. People don't see what this dude, they don't realize that these folks were robbing a, 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 a restaurant and had hostages in the restaurant. Right. They don't see that in the moment. Okay. The call comes in and says, Hey, this guy's, he's armed. He just robbed these people at gunpoint. Um, he's very hostile. He's running. So you get to him. If he ditches the gun, well, then, you don't know he ditched the exactly. gun. Exactly. He's running. So he's ditched that. the gun, and now you get there, and he goes into his pocket, into his shirt, into you know wherever. He starts making a move towards all, you. All I can do is use the information that I had at hand, which was he was armed, he's dangerous, now he's doing stuff, acting like he has a gun. Yeah. So that's I, I have to make that decision. So 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 but it ends there. So people don't see him, you know, if, if I if I let him get away that night, if if I can't catch him, well he's robbing another store next week. Yeah, because he maybe, had success, and maybe he's maybe he kills that clerk, you know, and then it's well, why didn't why didn't y'all you, catch him? You, you had know? him and you let him go. So again, it, it is such a uh, you know, it's 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 so interesting, sort of a no win situation. But but again, I think when we started out talking about this, it was just no, I mean, police like hearing it from your doing side the is, right thing. That, that's all we're trying to do. Yeah, just, just out there trying to do the right thing. But I think hearing yeah. it from your side is one thing, like because like I said. This is the perception of police officers. And I hope somebody can hear like your side of the story and go and relate to it. Yeah. And go, next time the flashing lights come on, hey man, just 
talk to yeah. the guy and see yeah. what he wants with you. And yeah. you know, if he's in a bad mood, he's in a bad mood. He's human, just like you. You know, you're bad. You had a bad day at work. You know, whatever. But yeah. Uh, yeah. let's let's not take it out on each realize other. Realize that his bad day involves some other crap yeah. that's going on. You know, like <laughs> not words or whatever. It, it's just. I've had a lot of appreciation. I've had friends that have been police officers. I never really dug into it like what we're doing right now. So it's it's impacting me as you're telling these stories even more so. But I've had an appreciation for them. Like, they save us. Yeah. Like, if I'm a law-abiding citizen, I do not have to worry. Now, I can mess up in speed. And if he pulls me over, then I deserve a ticket if he wants to give it to yeah. me. Because... I was speeding. Like, why am I going to yell at him for doing his job correctly? You know. But again, that's not that's not what we want, right? We don't we don't want to look we don't want to look in here. Okay, we don't want to look within and say I did something wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. So why is that cop pulling me over? Don't he have anything else better to do? You know, why is he out there catching robbers and rapers and murderers? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> there's so many other things he could be doing right now. But but if, but again, if we just looked if we just looked within ourselves and go, oh. Man, the speed limit is only 35. And then, and then be honest with ourselves. Hey, I live on this street. Every day I leave late for work. Okay? Every day I leave late for work. And so I'm doing 45 every day when the speed limit is 35. And I finally got caught. Okay, all right. Be real with yourself. And don't go, man, he's just picking on me. No. <laughs> no, no, not picking on you. Like, you legitimately go 10 miles over the speed limit. Like, and you know this. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> You know it. Like you know you did wrong. Just take your whooping and, and go just, about just your take day. Take your legs. Take your legs. Yeah. But it's really it, I really like hearing your side of the of you know, the police officers things. What are some of the things that like brought you joy from the job? Like I know oh. I'm pro- probably everything you know, you seem like the type of guy who just love doing it. Yeah. You don't do it something for twenty years or twenty two years yeah. not loving what you do. Yeah. You know? You know, uh, it, it was just so much. Uh, first of all, you know, just just being around a good group of guys and girls that had the same mindset and focus, that was joy in itself, just going to work, right? But probably, you know, just I'm thinking over the last, you know, the last year or so before I retired, we'd get random calls. You know, people like, hey, little Johnny is afraid of police officers. Can you come over to his birthday party? Really? We're going to be at, uh, we're going to be at Sue Haswell Park. Sure. So I get two or three guys, and we go over there. As a matter of fact, this guy, this little kid, I, I can't remember his name, but uh, I'm gonna call him Little Johnny. But she, the, the the mom called, and and yeah, why not? And so the whole day, had all of my officers. They would make, you know, while the party was going on, different officers would just swing through the party. So the so the whole the, his whole party, there was police officers coming through, and so I was one of the last ones to get there, and me and another officer, and I'm like, hey, can we go check out your police car? Yeah. You pop the doors open on that thing, those kids jumping in and out of that police car. <laughs> they want to hit the siren. They want to turn the lights. And they just, man, it was just, it was just so cool. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's like, man, that is awesome. Because that little kid, at the beginning of his police, of his party, he didn't have a very good opinion of police officers. But at the end of the day, he was like, man, these police officers are cool. And so that dude may be a cop one of these days. He may be out there protecting and serving, okay? And so that's the that's the part that just just that was just cool to me. I love that. I love that. And you know, there was a lot. I was a I was a sergeant on what we call the neighborhood enforcement team. That was our community oriented police uh, uh, community oriented policing unit of the police department. And so uh, 
I got to do that a lot. And so I got to just see kids go to the schools and, and hang out with the kids and talk to the kids. And, and so that was probably the most joyful part of it for me, for these kids, because I know these kids, they're going to be the next ones that are coming up that are going to be at the city council meetings going, hey, these officers need a raise, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. I don't mind my taxes going up to, to pay for these guys because I know I know they're out there working hard. So that that brought me a lot of joy, uh, you know, just again, just being able to point folks in the right direction sometimes, you know, just talking to teenagers and being able to say something that, that kind of changed their day or changed their evening or, or something that just sparked a little joy in them. You know, that was that was the cool part, you know, just just seeing those kids happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I, I like that. And I like the parents idea to call oh, yeah. in oh, yeah. and and <clears throat> because you wouldn't really think. I wouldn't really think to call the police. Like, you guys are busy. I'm thinking, you guys are busy. You're not going to swing by here. you got better things to do, you know? But that's really neat that they can... Because I remember going in a cop car. They brought one to a a school I went to, and I was homeschooled after this. I know my wife's going to listen, and she's going to be like, you were homeschooled. You didn't go to school. Uh, But I remember bringing this cop car to school and getting in the cop car, and they like would take us for a little spin around the block, and and it, you know... let us play. And I just thought that was the cool, it was cooler than a fire truck to me. For some reason, riding back there was cooler. Now I got put back there once later on in life that wasn't as cool. And I wasn't the one doing it. I, I was just with a group and I was rollerblading and the skateboarding thing, you know, and we aggravated this cop all day long and we deserved to be put in. The, we weren't arrested, put in the back of a cop car and scared, you know, but I remember, you know, that wasn't as much fun because I'm sweating. My parents are going to hear you got, you know, you got arrested or why are the cops picking me? My dad was not the type to be very pleasant about that situation. Um, but, um, so, but that, that always like, I remember that as a little yeah. kid. I remember that as like, you know, I'm five, six, seven years old and I can remember that thought, yeah. you know, being 30, almost 39 now. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I remember yeah. that feeling of getting in the back of that cop yeah. car, what it looked like, what it smelled like, you know, the, the bars across, yeah. you know, where you can't get <laughs> in the front yeah. seat, all that stuff, you know, and how cool it was, yeah. you know? And, and so that, that to me was, was so cool because one, what you were saying was, is people said, well, those guys are busy. They don't have time for us. And it's like, well, what happens if you call and you ask? Yeah, if we're busy, I'm going to tell you that, ma'am, sir, I, I cannot do it right now. You know, we've got, you know, 10 scenes going on right now, and I just can't spare anybody. But on the most part, Saturdays, Saturday during the daytime, Sunday afternoons, it's not busy, right? And so as a sergeant, I wasn't the officers responding to dispatch. So they get dispatched to calls. You know, they're yeah. getting dispatched. Getting to, I had the luxury that I didn't have to be dispatched to, to all the calls. So I had time there in the office cause I'm, I gotta do the paperwork, the scheduling and the timesheets and all that other good stuff. So I always had an opportunity if somebody called, Hey, I could, I could take 15 minutes out of my day. Okay. Instead of going to lunch, you know, I'll get something, I'll get me a snack real quick and I'll go over there and, and spend my lunch over there. So I always had that ability to do that. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes we're busy and we'll tell you that, but, but I think it's cool that people starting to realize that, Hey, I can call the cops and ask them questions. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That yeah. That, I think I think that that's a really great idea. That, I mean, wow, what a party that makes too. You know, how cool is that kid? How cool is that kid to all his friends, dude? You got you the got cops the cops to come to your party. 
you're the coolest kid in school you know i hear my daughter and and my kids come home with some stories and i'm like i'm pretty sure they're not selling heroin from your locker in junior high i'm i'm pretty positive about that you know it just it's these wild like stories so everything's magnified which is beautiful i mean i really like it the imagination runs and but the cop car just explode you know that would make that kid so cool yeah exactly with all its friends for a while man for a while so i mean here in college station they have that those little ponds i just got like i fished this year for the rainbow trout in there and caught them and come back and smoke them that's a that is a really, really neat thing that they do for the community as well. What I didn't realize, like, I could walk over there and go into the bathroom. The cops would come by and check me, like, check us out, turn their lights on right by us, you know, at the, <laughs> while we're fishing in the pond. Um, and the community stuff that they're, it seems like they're trying to promote. Like, hey, come over, like, come do this sort of stuff. Like, oh, we're yeah. providing these things for you. Because yeah. Cause it, for so long, it just, it's, been a, it's been a us against them mentality. Right, you mentioned the fire trucks a while ago. Whenever, when any time somebody sees a fire truck, they're coming to save lives. Right, Happy. they're coming to put a fire out. They're coming to get grandma and take her to the hospital. They're coming to fix something, you know. But when you see that, when you see the red and blues, it's like, who they finna take to jail now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so they got an old saying that that says, uh, you know, if you uh, if a uh, if a cop car gets in behind you. You wonder, am I going to get a ticket today? But if a motorcycle cop pulls up behind you, you're wondering, how many tickets am I going to get Yo, today? That's <laughs> not a joke. I don't think that that's a joke. Although, I will say, I, I, I'm going to say this, and, and I hope nobody holds this against me and writes my license plate down. The Brian motorcycle cop, I was pulled over by one. Uh-huh. Nicest cop I think I've ever been pulled over by. I was like, well, I expected this to be like the other ones that I got pulled over, you know? So... I was like, man, what a nice guy. I even told Chad. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Chad. I was like, this guy looked kind of like you. He was big and he had a shaved head. And like, I thought it was you at first. I was like, great. Not only did, am I getting pulled over, I'm getting pulled over by Chad. I know this guy. And, uh, and then it turned out not to be him. But he, I have uh, <clears throat> I've noticed that motorcycle cops have less patience and like to. I don't know. Why is that? When you sign up to be a motorcycle cop, you like to enforce the traffic law. <laughs> <laughs> Do they take and, a test like, and, hey, and, they, they give you a, a written test, and if you answer yeah. certain questions, like, this guy's going to enforce every, we're going to make money off this guy. Put him on a bike. <laughs> so, so for instance, you know, me, my, my traffic law was speeding, registrations, inspection stickers. Uh, at that day, we don't have any, any more inspections. And... Uh, uh, you know that that was that was that was about it. You know, but uh, you know those traffic cops, they get to look at the the uh, the traffic code a lot. You know, and and they read stuff about ball tires. You know, and so, <laughs> oh my gosh, so so they get in depth in the traffic code. So, but but uh, that's but, where people legitimately <laughs> can start getting aggravated. Like, dude, do you have a ball tire at your house? You make nine dollars an hour, dude. You don't have fresh BFs on yours. Come on. You know, the, I, that's me thinking if, if somebody were to try to give me a ticket for a ball tire, I'd be like, dude. So, yeah, they get to play in the traffic book, in the, in the traffic code more so than I. But, no, this, but, but between us and the fire department, though, for the longest, though, the fire department has always been, you know, people have a good feeling about the fire department. Yeah. And when you have, when you have somebody that's going to jail, 
that legitimately should have gone to jail. It doesn't matter, okay? Because little Johnny saw daddy, uncle going to jail. Or even if they didn't see it, they hear about it, okay? And so all they that's all they know. That's the only interaction they have with the police is that Every time I hear about the police, somebody's going to jail. Oh, man. That's and another so, reality exactly. of it that you don't yeah. even think about. Like, they don't know what dad did. And, and, and not They not, just know that you took him away. Exactly. Exactly. And nine times out of ten, they might not even have been there or been personally involved in it. But because it's, it's, it's made the rounds through the neighborhood, this is what the cops did, and that's why they're dirty. And so, so that's what we're fighting. And so, so now... It's a, it's it's more of a concerted effort to reach out to the community. So it's a little different when you when you you were saying you know you get you got pulled over by a cop and you're like oh maybe that's Chad right? yeah <laughs> yeah so so you don't your level your stress level is way lower than somebody that doesn't know any police officers at all right and so so we uh, when I was on 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 net we wanted it to be that I was your police officer right. And so you would have your police officer. And so when you for get to, like a neighborhood, yeah, for a neighborhood. Right. Okay. And so, so, so we would be a part of events and whatnot. And so as we do that, people get to see us. Right. And that's, that's, that's your police officer. You get to know a police officer. So, so it's not like those Brian police officers over there. Oh, I know so and so, or I know so and so, and it just gives a little bit better connection. Like PR is part of the job now. Oh yeah, it is. It, it is. It you know, is. They're, like they're saying, "Hey, go be friendly, make friends with the people in the neighborhood." Exactly. Now, what kind of conflict does that bring on to your side whenever that person you're friends with, or have got to know, does something in that neighborhood? Uh, yeah, does that, you know. does, does that does that do you do you disconnect pretty easy and go like, "Hey, this is my you know this is my job and." Yeah. I know you seem like a good kid, but you did something bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now again, it, and it, I'll explain it, you know, and it's like, look, little Johnny, you know, I know we boys and all, but this is what you did. This is my job. This is what I got to do. And most folks go, yeah, I understand. I know I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't know. All I have to reference this on is The Wire. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Like, that's the only show that held my interest. And... Everything is like the wire to me. We drove through Baltimore, and I was so happy. I was like, oh, my gosh. I woke Kim up. I was like, Kim, wake this up, wake up. This she goes, it. what is it? Like, We're in Baltimore. And she's like, that's wonderful. You know? But we love that show, so that's what we had to base. You know, that's that's our what we have to base that situation off of, you know, where they make friends with them, and, you know, they're, they're dealing with that emotional yeah. issue of busting the guy that they know. You know. I just I just thought of this funny one. I have to tell you this one. Uh, so this this lady we used to do events and they held this event at church and, and we went to the church and had a great time there we set up our little fingerprinting machines and you know take pictures and let them crawl through the police cars and so this lady her name was miriam and she said she wrote me a letter and i found this letter when i retired because i was going through all my stuff and i found this letter and she wrote me this letter and she was saying that her daughter after that event every time she saw a police car that's sergeant oliver and she's like, that's not Sergeant Oliver. That's just a, that's, a, that's a police officer, but but it's probably not Sergeant Oliver. And so she said, every time she'd see a police car, you know, that mom, that's Sergeant Oliver right there, you know. And she like, maybe that's not Sergeant Oliver. And so, and so she says, I pulled into like a parking lot or something, and I got out of the car. And she's like, it is Sergeant Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> every car she sees is you. <laughs> and she said it was just so funny that that, that one day, it really was me, you know. Yeah. She was like, that's not him. I was like, but it is, it was me. <laughs> oh. 
So I, now I, I want to transition now into how does that tie into you doing financial? This is an opposite. It seems like if you're going to ask me, New York life investment guy, financial person, used to be a cop. Uh-huh. Like, how did those two things tie together? And how did you even get in? What what fascinated you with that to get into that sort of business after 22 years of this line of work? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty simple uh, because as a police officer, I served served my community. That's all I did. I saw a need in my church in the halls of the police department lack of information in the financial services industry. So it was like, again, who's going to do this? Somebody needs to do this. Cause I saw it in my family, saw it in my church and it just, and, and you know, we just, we just didn't have the information. And so somebody needs to do this and make it a concerted effort to come to the police department and, and focus on these recruits, you know, because, uh, because, you know, I don't want them to do the same stupid that I did, you know? And, uh, so when I was young, like I said, I started at 23 single man, you know, Nine dollars an hour. I felt like I was rich. Straight you know cash. Straight cash, man. Straight <laughs> cash. <laughs> so, so yeah. But, but it was just uh So you know, who's gonna do this? And, and and as I got to as I got to studying it and and learning more about it, and it was like it's not rocket science, you know. But it's just. But somebody needs to be able to. Somebody needs to tell us, you know. And so, uh, it was in a. Well, they make a, it. They make it real confusing. They make it very confusing. Exactly. Um, and I, I, I always say, like, the more confusing you make it, the more things you're trying to hide. So I get skeptical. <laughs> you know, it's like the tax code. You make it confusing so that so that you, so you're doing something. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly. doing something. Here. You can make it black and white and simple, and then it, it's understandable. So you have – I'm wondering if maybe you can go in and explain that in the terms that they understand. And see, we, we, get, we get caught up in our own press too, right? You know, so let's just say, for instance, so I don't have a degree right now trying to go back to A&M and get me a degree and get my certified financial planner designation, right? But this is what happens. So a young guy gets out of college. He's got a finance degree or whatever, and, and uh, he wants to go into the financial services industry, right? So he's got this degree. So he puts on his suit and his tie, you know, and all of a sudden now I know more than you. And I can talk down to you, you know, because I, I, I have to show you how smart that I am, right? Because if I don't show you how smart that I am, how smart I am, then you may go – they go somewhere else. And so, so they kind of get puffed up. And so I think that's a part of this industry as well. That's what's happened for so long is that they're, 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 they got their glasses on and they're looking down the end of their nose, you know, uh, their glasses and, and, and making you feel like you're stupid. They can't relate to you. Exactly. They, they can't relate to you. They, exactly. They don't shovel. They right. didn't shovel. Right. They didn't, right. you know, they haven't, they haven't sprayed weeds. Exactly. You know, they haven't done any exactly. of these things like where exactly. you're out in the sun, you're yeah. sweating, yeah. it's tough, it's hard, you've got a long day and you've got deadlines to meet. They haven't done anything like that, yeah. you know? And so, that. and so again, they try to take you to the weeds, right? Get you all down deep into the weeds. It's like, that's not, it's not important. I just need to know what kind of, you know, what's a mutual fund? Just explain that one to me. Okay. All right. A bunch of people get together. Put their money together and they go buy some stock. Okay, of of companies that that I heard about, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot. Okay, that, that's so it's it's not that it's it's not that complicated, but we make it complicated. And so that was one of those things that I was like, I can again because of my temperament and, and the fact that I had been a sergeant, had been an instructor, and and so I, I think I can explain stuff to people in a fashion that. Like I said, if you can't explain it to a fifth grader, then you don't understand it well enough. Well, 
now I, and I'm thinking about this right now. Okay, you you've really kind of groomed yourself to deliver the message to people yes. in a way they can understand. Exactly. In all walks of life. Exactly. You have to deal yeah. with the guy when you pull over with, that's in the suit that's looking down his glasses at you that's really smart and then you have to deal with the guy that's like He's just, not just, so just, smart. Just barely know? got out of high school, right? Right. You know, and, or, or and, didn't even get out of high school. Right. So sure. you've got to be able to explain the same thing, mm-hmm. the same exact thing to both of those yeah. people. Yeah. And so now you've learned a skill of being able to communicate. Exactly. Exactly. And so when I when I kept thinking about that, who's going to do it? It's like, well, why don't I do it? And so uh, back in let me see, so nineteen, I retired in in. Uh, it's nineteen already, man. So, yeah, so, I, reti- 19, so man. I retired in in seventeen, okay. And back in sixteen, I had been kind of tossing this around and talking about it. And a, and one of my buddies, we were on the SWAT team together. He's like, "Ah, you ain't going nowhere. You'll be here next year," you know. And I was like, "Huh? Oh, here we go. This is the river <laughs> thing again, dude. It was a river thing because it was just like, you'll be here next year." And I was like, "Hmm, really?" And I got to thinking, okay, what does it take? You know, what has to be true for me not to be here next year and be working in the financial services industry? And I found out what that was. And I went and started talking to people, asking questions, okay? Looking at ways, how do I get into this financial services industry? So the, the one thing that was kind of interesting is that, so as a police officer, when I started, you can't just, we're licensed through what they call TCOL. Okay, that's the state licensing agency. I just can't go down to Austin and says, "Hey, I want to take the test." Right? They're gonna like, "Well, who are you with? You're affiliated with, affiliated with anybody?" No, I'm just want to take the test. Can't do that. You got to be affiliated with an organization. So, as a police officer, I had to be with the city of Bryan to go and sit for the test. Well, the two big tests in the fi- or two a couple of the big tests in the financial services industry, if you want to do variable products, if you want to get into the market, if you want to help people with their mutual funds, you know, and setting up annuities and things like that, a series six and a series 63. So again, I just can't show up to go take those tests though. I have to be affiliated with an organization and New York life was a good, good organization. They've been around 174 years or so strong, you know, background, they take care of their business. And it was like, well, I can go affiliate myself with them. And they would get me through the licensing. And so, again, I got to start talking to folks. And what was funny is how, you know, we were talking about this. Uh, I'm trying to think who I was talking about. But just relationships. How relationships are just so funny. So, my best friend, he's up in the Dallas area now. He graduated from A&M. We were sitting over at Wings and More. And we were having this discussion because he's always dabbled in insurance and teaching and, you know, and so what I did was we were just talking and he's like, man, I, I know somebody, you know, up in, up in Tyler. She's a, she works in New York life. I'll put you in touch with her. And I'm like, yeah, New York life is whole life insurance. I don't want to mess with whole life insurance. I don't, I don't just want to be an insurance salesman. I want to be a financial services professional. Right. And he goes, no, he says, let me check with her. So he calls, he calls Jamie, Jamie calls me. Jared, who was a recruiter, was, I guess, in the office with her that day. And she tells Jared about me. And Jared comes down here, talks to me. Me and Jared get to talking. Jared was a Marine as well. He had spent about 12 years in the Marine Corps. Well, he didn't have a degree. He's out working for New York Life and doing pretty well for himself. And it was just like, I don't have a degree. I was in the Marines. I, I, I can do this, you know. And so we got to talking. And 
he liked me and, and uh, New York Life liked me and they said okay well come on and so uh, so they hired me on and so I just completed my all of my tests there was three that I had to take uh, SIE securities industries essentials which was just an overview of the financial services industry the six is more kind of a I, I guess you would call it a federal level test and then the 63 is more of the state level test okay and so so I just completed my, my series 63 uh, last couple of two weeks ago and uh, so I'm I'm licensed in the state when I go to the when I go to the uh, FINRA organization website there's my name and I'm licensed oh I can see the smile on your face right (laughs) now it's it's official it's official it's official I always tell them this it's so funny I said insurance is one of those things that that in the black community whole life insurance is the only insurance that we've ever been told about well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm seeing it right now. Like you just said, New York Life, and I, I know they do everything. Yeah, exactly. All those people do everything. Exactly. And, you know, they they, yeah. they don't yeah. pigeonhole themselves exactly. in one thing. Exactly. But your outlook on it was, yeah. well, that's all they do. Yeah, yeah it's whole life. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't want to do. I don't want to do insurance. <laughs> I want to do investing, bro. I want to do investing. That's what I want to be. <laughs> but you know, the more I dug into it, though, it was like that's a that's an important component as well. And again, we need information because again. We've done, we've been sold the whole life insurance. Nobody else tells us, nobody really tells us about the term life insurance because term life insurance is cheaper for the consumer because it's pure life insurance. Whole life has a, what they call a kind of savings aspect tied to it. So it's a little bit more expensive to get the same amount of coverage. And so nobody really told us about that. And it was like, man, that's, that's good information to know. And it was like, well, yeah, you know, insurance has to be a part of your wealth building module, okay? It's got to be part of that foundation as as you build your financial house up. And so I was finding out different things that it's like people need to know about. New York Life offers it. They're a good company. They get me, you know, they get me investments. And so now I get, I, I get to do the investments, but we get to talk about the insurance as well and what's best, you know, what's best for you. Because, again, like I was saying, it's all about service. So when I sit down with somebody talking about their financial situation, hey, this is all about you, okay? You can do what I you can do what I tell you to do, and if I explain it to you well enough and you agree and you do it, it's going to benefit you in the long run. It's going to benefit you, okay? So so I'm not in it for me, and so so same thing as as I was serving as a police officer. Hey, I'm here for my community. I'm here to serve in the best way I can, and so that's that's kind of one of the things that it's it's not a big jump. I can see that now. I mean, you would think like what you said, the suits, but you're across from me and now I want to buy whatever insurance you're selling me. Like, it doesn't matter. You can tell me something that doesn't even, it's not even real. You just talked me into it. Let me, let me get you, let me get you, uh, let me get you a brand new Johnson rod. Okay. So (laughs) you've got all the tests to prove it. No, but I mean, I can tell how passionate you are about it. Like I'm sitting there watching you talking. I'm like, man, this dude is passionate about this thing. And I think you're more passionate about being able to help your the people out that don't know. Because you got helped out. At some point in time, you had to have come to this realization like, man, I missed the boat because I wasn't informed. Now I want to inform everybody so they don't they, – like, they can have this ahead of time. Like I can, I can give them this oh, information yeah. and that's going to bring yeah. you the most joy out oh, of it. Yeah. Here, here, here's, here's a couple of good examples I always tell people. So probably back in, I got married in 2010. Probably 2013. I said I found out we were broke. 
Well, you know, I said I was broke. I wasn't. I'm, I've never been poor. Okay, I was like, poor is a state of mind. Okay, I was broke. We can pass through brokenness. Okay, but I realized that man, I had been doing a lot of things wrong. And here's a good example for you. So, this one, this is the, this is the one that hurt me the most, and I decided that I've got to do something different, and I got to I got to spread the word. I love new car smell. Okay, that new <laughs> leather smell. My first truck out of the Marine Corps was a 1995 Ford Ranger. I didn't even have a job, Those right? Would run oh man, forever. it was great, great. <laughs> Every now and again, I still see that truck around town because the guy sold it to. Okay, it's a 95, right? Still looks good. Still looks good. <laughs> so, so that was nice, but it was like, you know what, man, that, that Mustang is nice. Ah, I think I'm gonna get that Mustang, you know. Uh, Mustang, you know, I drove it for, I don't know, a year and a half and I, I hit a buzzard and it was like, man, this thing is bad luck. So, <laughs> so I decided, okay, I need a truck now, right? So I got a truck, kept it five years, almost paid off, right? Uh, you know what? So close. You know what? I need a four wheel drive truck, right? You know, because of well, all yeah, the, you, you because, do, because of all the snow, you know, <laughs> and all the off-road you do, all the off-roading I do. I need a four wheel drive, right? So I bought that thing. So in 2013, I, I sold it. <clears throat> I said 2013. It was later than that. It was yeah, 2013. I guess I sold it. And so uh, I did some. I did some some math, right? Just some some gazuntas, as they call it. So the average car payment in in America today is about five hundred dollars, a little over five hundred dollars a month. So for 18 years, I kept car payments, and so some of those were some seven hundred dollar car payments and. Some 600s, you know, so just average. Now, mind you, I'm not even counting the motorcycle notes in here that I paid. Okay. So this is just, this is just, this is just the, the new cars. Over those 18 years, I spent $108,000 on cars that are gone now. $108,000. So if I would have taken, if, if over those 18 years, $500 a month, right, and then stopped. At, at at 18 years at, at 2013 if I would have stopped by the time I'm 62 65 retirement age those new cars are going to cost me 2.2 million dollars that's crazy if I'm half wrong <laughs> they're going to cost me a million right <laughs> so when I saw that it was just like oh my god why didn't somebody tell me this <laughs> And so that that's been my that's been my thing because the new car smell the new car smell, and so that's been my mission. So last last month I went to the police department. Uh, Sergeant Agnew, he's over the uh, he's over the recruits, over the training and recruiting. Good guy, really good friend of mine. And between him and the chief, they allowed me to come in there and, and speak to the cadets in the academy. And they're going to allow me to come back once they get out of the academy. And again, say so, hey. Have you got your investment set up already? Have you got these things in place? You know, to just to be there with them. So when they retire in 20 years, they'll be sitting on a mountain of money and not a mountain of debt. And so that's the part that I love so much. And then, you know, even my sister, she called me. She's getting ready to retire. And, and she was talking and listening to me. And it's like, I know I'm in the right place. You know, business is slowly picking up, but I know I'm in the right place because of the fact that when I talk to somebody and, and the light bulb goes on, and it's like they're gonna be all right. <laughs> they're gonna be all right. <laughs> they're gonna retire with dignity one of these days. 
And so that's the part that I really, really love about the financial services industry. So it just, yeah, that gets me excited about that. So yeah, what, what the big, it wasn't a big stretch, wasn't a big jump from, from policing to, uh, to financial services industry. Uh, but a lot of people do see it as that. That's well, a, that's to be able to jump. communicate that is, uh, I mean, your asset, then being able to go talk to this police station and then possibly go to other police departments and say, Hey, look, exactly. I'm, I really want to just help my, f- yeah. can I come talk to them at a meeting? Can you know, whatever is going on. I mean, that now yeah. you're using your, your connections and your experience yeah. to like better other people's lives. Exactly. Inside and, and, what you yeah. did mm-hmm. versus outside. Yeah. Yeah. So like you weren't, you weren't necessarily, now you're bettering the lives of the people that you worked with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I tell him I, I really all, like him, man. I tell him all the time. I said, I said, I'm, I'm like the preacher. Okay, you know, he just preaches his heart out every Sunday. Just preaches and just preaching. But if I can just get one, if I can get one. My job is done. You know, my job is done. You feel fulfilled. So I feel. Yeah, I do. I feel fulfilled. If I can, if I, I sat down with a lady the other day. She's 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 a little older, but you know what? She's not dead, so she can make some changes. Okay, and she can. Work a little bit longer, but retire with dignity. And so that I, just sitting there talking to her, knowing that she's going to put these things into play. Okay, she's going to put these things into play, and in 15 years she's going to retire and be able to retire. Because you know, uh, Social Security today about thirteen hundred dollars a month. Thirteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I told him I said, I said now if you want to if you want to live in a van down by the river. <laughs> That's for you, Kim. That that quote is for you. <laughs> it's from a show. Just so you know, not so you live in Van Down by the River. I could get myself in some serious trouble with that one. Easy now, easy big fella. <laughs> yeah, it's from a show. It's a quote from a, one of those stupid shows that you, as you call them. Um, but yeah, but but if you don't want to live like that, you've got to put some things into place today. And the quicker I can get you to understand that, the better off you're going to be. Because the, the the eighth wonder of the world, that compound interest, I mean, we just don't, we just don't get it, you know. And, and so, like I said, if I can get, if I can get to one of the, two or three of these recruits and, and they start it now, and even if I don't get, if I don't get them all to start today, later on down the line, they're going to. You plant a seed. Plant you just plant seed. a seed, and then seed. they're thinking yeah. about it. And they're like, "Man, but he's one of us. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. I, I he's walked lived, this road. <laughs> yeah, you lived in these shoes, you yeah. know. And yeah. so, it, it it means more coming from you. Yeah, yeah. Really and I hope does. so. And I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Well, so, so. plug it right now. Plug yeah. your thing. All right. Everything <laughs> that that where people can get a hold of you for any sort of financial services. Um, I'll do another plug at the on social media for you and everything else like that. All right. Okay. Well, my name is Demond Oliver, New York Life Insurance Company. You can reach me at 979-324-1210. 979-324-1210. Email me at ddoliver, ddoliver at ft.newyorklife.com. And one of the things that like I said, I just want to focus with folks, focus on folks. You know, a lot of folks, they're carrying the weight of debt and they don't know how to get out from underneath of it. And so I want to work with him. Uh, um, Proverbs 6, 5 says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay. That's a true, it's true, true statement. I hate car payments. (laughs) You're telling me that it's like, 
I was freaking out when you said you got the so many cars because I hate it. I because I feel like I'm owned by somebody. Yeah. They, own, exactly. they own it. You know, exactly. they own. Exactly. They own me. Exactly. They 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 have a part of me yeah. that I can't get rid of. Like, dude, I like to be free. I'm very much that guy. I don't like GPS in my vehicles. Like, and it's not that I'm doing bad. It's just, just like, dude, I don't, I don't let want you me to know. Be free. Yeah. Don't try to be holding on to me. Like. Uh, you know that it's yeah, it's but, just something with me about it. So I but, feel like I'm tied to them. Yeah, you but, know? but and people just don't understand that. See, our biggest wealth building tool is our income. All right, and for many years I gave mine to Visa, to Mastercard. I tell them, I tell them right now. I said, I I hope that the Fox and the Hound, Outback Steakhouse, and the Roadhouse. I hope they never do an audit of my credit card statements <laughs> at those restaurants. <laughs> I'm, I'd, I'd probably just die because all the money that I spent there yeah. again, I was eating up my retirement. I was drinking up my retirement. Okay, that's what I was doing. And so, so, and, and again, that weight of debt was on me, but I was having fun. I thought, right, you know. And so, again, that's that's what I'm trying to get, folks. And, and again, just want to work with folks because I see too many folks as a police officer going to death scenes, and, and how they how, how they going to bury their uncle, their father, their brother, their son. Well, we got to get a GoFundMe going. Really? That's what you're relying on? That's what you're relying on? And so, so I just, again, I want folks, you know, and I, my, my other question is, are you doing all you can to, to make sure your family is protected? Okay. First Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own house, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay. So I'm just, I, I want to get folks to understand that. Protect what you earn, own, and those you love. Plan for major life events. Prioritize your financial goals, and then pass on assets to the people and institutions you care about. Because we 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 so often we want to have fun, you know, YOLO, right? You know, you only live you only live once, right? You know, and that's fine. But you got to have a priority. Yeah. You know, priority. We're gonna get old. If we don't die, we're gonna get old, right? We're gonna retire. And do we want to live on that thirteen hundred dollars a month? Do we want to eat Alpo? Okay, so, but anyway, New York Life, like I said, they are they are been around for uh, one hundred seventy some years, uh, AAA rated. I mean, just a strong company, and, and all that rating means is they pay their bills, they take care of business. Okay, folks that are retired with New York Life, they're getting those annuities, they're getting the, they're getting that money off of those investments. If you had a life insurance policy and somebody unfortunately passed away with New York Life. They pay their bills. They take care of their people. And so that's why I'm proud to be affiliated with New York Life. Like I said, strong company. And uh, so I'm excited about it. And I'm just, and like, you know, uh, you know, as a, as a licensed insurance agent and as a licensed, insurance, and a licensed investment professional, like I said, having my Series 6 and 63, I can do the variable products. And Because here's the thing. You got to be in the market, right? If you put your money under the pillow, right, you put $10 there today, next year you come back, it's really worth $7, right? Okay, because inflation has got you right. So you gotta you gotta outpace inflation. So you gotta get your money in the market. And so I'm just I'm I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited and I'm proud that I was able to accomplish that goal and now that I can help folks. Get I can into the tell. Market, so. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell how proud and happy you are. It was awesome, man. This has been fun, Damon. This is awesome. Well, I appreciate it, my man. All right, hit him up if you are looking for any sort of investment. Situations, investment, life insurance, uh, either one. Call me. All right, nine seven nine three two four one two one zero. Thank you. All right, thanks, Demond. All right, bye. <laughs>